As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt buyer. Untie them and bring them to me and if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal, foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Well, the scene is pretty easy to imagine. The city is crowded and you walk down the sidewalk, it's just shoulder to shoulder. If you've not gotten a room by now, you're out of luck because there are none. All the hotels, motels are full. People are renting out rooms in their homes to out-of-town guests. There are men with sandwich signs who are charging people to park in their front yard. Vendors on every corner with their carts selling all kinds of memorabilia to the, to the tourists. Uh, the stores have uh, signs in the windows welcoming all the visitors into town. And the traffic is backed up all the way past the causeway. But this isn't spring break I'm talking about. And, and this isn't even Clearwater. Um, it's Jerusalem. And the occasion was uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover. And people have come from everywhere to celebrate this holiday in the holy city of Jerusalem. And so they came from everywhere, and security in the city uh, was beefed up. There were several extra troops of Roman soldiers had been brought in to, to walk around and patrol the city. The Roman version of the SWAT team was there. Um, many of the leading Roman officials came into town uh, just as a show of who was in charge, lest anybody start to think there was any way somebody was going to pry them loose from the Romans. And it was a, a great day for religious leaders. I mean, the priests, this was their time. They had all their, got their robes, you know, from the dry cleaners and were ready to go. They had written out their loveliest prayers. And on Passover, all the priests were busy. Now, normally, there, weren't, there were more priests than there were sacrifices. And so the priests took turns because they didn't need all of them. Seems like there's always more preachers around than you really need, right? And uh, so, but, but on Passover, all that changed. It was all hands on deck. And everybody got called in. And everybody got to serve, and everybody got to help make sacrifices. All the priests and even a few provisionals who hadn't turned in all their paperwork yet. They were all there. It was an incredible time for them. 
It was a busy time. There were lots of things to be done. There was money to be exchanged because you had to pay a temple tax, and the temple only accepted Hebrew currency. So if they didn't accept out-of-town currency, they didn't accept American Express. Uh, it was Hebrew currency only. So you had to get all that changed. There were sacrifices to be offered. There were sins to atone for. There was a lot to do. And the city is just buzzing with excitement. And you, you could feel the exhilaration in the air. And all these folks, they'd come together to worship God and to thank God that God had, in their history, freed them from slavery and made them a nation. And that God had forgiven them of all their sins and welcomed them into God's family. They celebrated that a long time ago, God sent a deliverer to set them free. It was a celebration of freedom and salvation. For them, it was like Easter and the 4th of July all rolled into one big holiday. And they were there to celebrate. But as they remembered, the God who sent a redeemer to rescue them from slavery in the past, they couldn't help but think about when the Messiah was going to come and rescue them from their present slavery. First, they were slaves in Egypt. This time, they were slaves to the Romans, and there had been others in between. And according to some old Jewish writings, some people believed that when Messiah came, he would come on the day of Passover. And so there's all this stirring around in their minds as they celebrate this great holiday. And the prophets of old said that he would come through the east gate of the city. And, and he would set them free from their enemies. And they looked around at these Roman soldiers standing on every corner. And they looked at the east gate. And they wondered, oh, how, how they wished he would come. And the Romans, of course, they're no dummies. They knew all this. And that's why there was extra soldiers in town this week. They wanted to make sure they understand that they are still in charge and there was not going to allow some yokel to, to show up and, and start some kind of riot. So they were there to make sure that didn't take place. And so huge numbers of huge soldiers walked up and down the streets to remind the Jewish people that no one was going to rescue them from the Romans' hand. And that's the situation that Jesus rode into on this day so many years ago. John tells us that not long before Palm Sunday, the week before, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Matthew tells us that on the way into town, Jesus stopped and healed two blind men. And so... Here they are, this religious festival, everyone is thinking about God, everyone is thinking about, wondering if, if maybe this is the Passover that the Messiah will come and set us free. And just outside the city, making his way toward the east gate, comes this guy who can raise the dead and heal the blind. People were starting to get excited about it. It was this high religious festival 
You know, everyone was keeping their eye on that east gate just in case the Messiah would come to free them from the Romans. And then that very day, into the city came a man who could raise the dead and heal the blind. Maybe. Maybe he was the Messiah. He was riding into town toward the east gate on a donkey. And people were cutting palm branches and laying them in the road in front of him. Hence, we call this day Palm Sunday. And they were laying their cloaks in front of him. Both of these actions are something you do before a king. And then some people were shouting, Hosanna, son of David. Hosanna in the highest. And as Allison just mentioned, Hosanna means save us. So they were saying, save us, son of David. And it must have sent a cold chill down the spine of every Roman soldier who heard that. What are they up to? And so the Roman commanders, they gathered together and raised the riot alert level to yellow. They started figuring out what they might have to do if they needed to. The religious leaders were upset, visibly upset, because they did not want this high, holy holiday to be turned into some bloody riot with violence. But now outside the city, there's no tension at all. There's just a group of people who are rejoicing and having a wonderful time. They were exuberant. The, the disciples were so happy they couldn't keep from laughing out loud. They'd been sleeping in the woods like thieves and robbers for years. And now they were finally getting their due. And people were celebrating Jesus. And they were celebrating them. And they were finally getting some recognition and, and they, they finally were getting treated the way they thought they should have been treated all along. And they liked it. But there was one in this crowd who seemed to be a million miles away. There was one who seemed to be deeply troubled over something. He seemed lonely, as if he knew something no one else knew. It was the one riding the donkey. It was Jesus. Because above the cries of the people and the shouts of praise from the multitude, he seemed to see something in Jerusalem that no one else could see or that no one else wanted to see. And the crowds cheered him and they applauded him all the way into the city. And they were wondering, no doubt, now what's he going to do once he gets in the city? The disciples just kept walking along beside him, grinning, enjoying it all. But in their minds, they're wondering too, what is he going to do? Once we get inside, what's going to happen? The crowds were shouting, save us, save us. And undoubtedly, they meant save us from the Romans. And so they were probably expecting that, that Jesus would, uh, would, would ride right in, ride right up to Roman headquarters and take them on. And the Roman soldiers, when that group came in shouting, Hosanna, save us. Ah, oh, they tightened their grip on their weapons. They pushed the safety button to off. Who knew what he was going to do? Who knew where he was going to go? But instead of riding up to the Roman headquarters, he rode right up to the temple. And instead of confronting the Romans, he confronted the priests. And he turned over their tables where they were exchanging money. He ran them out. He didn't even say a word to the Romans. 
was the temple. He came to clean up and set right. And what he did in the temple was not only surprising, it was dangerous. It only took the religious leaders five days to end his life for that little episode. It looks like a sad story because everybody really thought Jesus blew it. I mean, he had made the people happy for a while. And and at first, it looked like he might really be the Messiah. But he didn't play the role right. He didn't do what was expected of him. They wanted him to save them from the Romans. He came to save them from themselves. They wanted a king, and he was a servant. They wanted a knight in shining armor, and they got a carpenter on a donkey. And when the time came for Jesus to be crucified, the multitudes who had cheered him already had convinced themselves that it must have been a mistake. They just got caught up in the religious fervor of the moment. I mean, they gave him a chance, but he didn't do what he was supposed to do. I mean, they wanted a king, and Jesus ended up on a cross. They must have been mistaken. And so by the end of the week, by Friday, Jesus has been beaten and he's hanging on a cross. And the only people left are a few women and John and the folks who showed up to make fun. You assume Jesus knew all along what was going to happen. I mean, you didn't really have to even be a prophet to see this coming. Which would explain why he looked so lonely in that Palm Sunday crowd that day. Because Jesus knew the difference between those who would cheer him and and praise him as long as he was doing what they wanted and those who would actually still be hanging around by Friday. Those who would follow him no matter what the cost. And so on that first Palm Sunday, there were a lot of spectators in the crowd, but few who were going to be willing to follow him all the way to Friday. I've often thought of that scene, a cheering crowd and a lonely Jesus, lonely because he knew the cheers meant little, because when the going gets tough, but knowing that Jesus remained faithful to us anyway. He went to the cross anyway, knowing that just about all of them would desert him, he went right on into Jerusalem. And by the end of the week, he stretched his arms out on a wooden cross. And with every thud of the hammer on the nails, he knew he was dying for a people who would turn their back on him. But he also knew some of them would get it right. Some of them would figure out how to follow him. And some of them would follow him all the way to Friday. I don't think about it too long because... There are a lot of similarities that I start to notice between now and then and them and us more than I like to admit. It's so easy to cheer Jesus on Sunday. It's so easy to sit in a crowd and sing and cheer. It's easy because there are people around us whose faith strengthens our faith. It's easier on Sunday morning than it is Friday evening. Maybe we were the different crowd on Friday evening who are cheering different things, and it's easy to go along with them. 
Or maybe it's just a lonely Friday with a lot of doubts and uncertainties. Or maybe it's one of those Fridays where God has asked us to take up our cross and follow him and do some really hard things. I wonder if Jesus ever feels lonely still, knowing that so many who cheer him on Sunday will not show up on Friday. And this story challenges every one of us, whether we're young or old, whether we've been a Christian for a long time or we're brand new at this. We all have to decide each week by the time we get to Friday, are we going to keep following the one we cheered on Sunday? And Jesus knew there'd be times we'd fail him, and he died for us anyway. (laughs) He knew there would always be those who would cheer him on Sunday and abandon him by Friday, but he also knew there would be some who would eventually get it right and who would follow him even to the cross. Tony Campolo made famous this saying, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And of course, he was talking about Good Friday. And then he was talking about, but Sunday, Easter Sunday is coming. And I like it. It's a great phrase, and we'll use it next week. But we're a week early. And this week, that phrase is reversed. It's Sunday, but Friday's coming. And Jesus is going to ask us to give up our Jesus jams and our fish-shaped bumper sticker and trade them in for a splintered cross. And follow him. And this is the real crux of it all. By the grace of God, we will all make it to Easter. But the trick is to not give up or give in by Friday.